Two guys, two topics, two, two, two. two opinions. Two. Utah, give me two. This is the split story of the day on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. We err towards continuity. I think that service really well this year, especially with shortened off seasons. Part of the program that we built is having a coaching staff, a development staff, a health performance staff that really believes in players that are inherently positive. And it's been a similar here as my years in San Antonio and when we had more veteran teams in Houston. We kind of have a second, third year phenomenon where guys get better in their second and third years. Uh, there's a lot of evidence uh, to that. And we obviously play a specific style. And the fact that our coaches are so positive with our guys. So I think the natural bent is grass isn't always greener. And then obviously we have to go through draft, free agency, you know, de facto trade season, you know, in both of those draft and free agency seasons and see what's available to us, see what's not, and then make those decisions. But it's not lost on us, the, the historic season that we had. We have to evaluate the playoffs under the lens of we wore down physically. And so, yeah, I, I think we'll take a collective deep breath Gordon, Dennis Lindsay is, uh, I guess, adjusting his role within the Jazz. Uh, he steps down as his uh, title of uh, vice, what was it, senior vice president of basketball operations, mm-hmm. and he's going into more of an advisory role. Uh, Justin Zanuck will continue his role as general manager and take over the day-to-day operation of the Utah Jazz. We have some official statements we can get to. I thought uh, Tony Jones has done a good job kind of doing his stuff and and adding to the story at The Athletic. But uh, let's start, Gordon, with your initial reaction to the news. Not really surprised. Not not surprised, really. Um, Dennis is still pretty young, and so from that standpoint, it's kind of surprising. But, um, you know, he had sort of edged – in that direction, uh, he was still running things around here. But uh, I think, uh, let me say it this way, I think there was enough to and fro within the organization with new ownership and whatnot that uh, may have helped uh, loosen the screws on this a little bit. Um, there's speculation about that, that there was some inner strife within the organization, and I believe there was. Uh, but, uh, you know, those things can oftentimes be worked out. But I think the combination of things, uh, along with uh, some of the difficulties in leadership with the Jazz, uh, led to this. That's my opinion. I think, I think moving into an advisory gig... For Dennis is, you know, pretty sweet in a lot of ways if you look at it and uh, deserves that kind of exit from this job because I think overall, <clears throat> Gordon, it's it's been 12 years, right, uh, that he's been at the helm? Nine, the I Nine, was mm-hmm. it? Oh, excuse me. Nine years uh, since he's been at the helm. And I think he's done a really great job. Yeah. I mean, I mean not the perfect front office guy uh, or operator by any means, but really. Is there a perfect there There has, has never been. So the next one will be. The first. So I, you know, listen, Dennis deserves a lot of respect and a lot of credit for the job that he did 
as GM and then VP of basketball operations uh, for the Jazz. He did a great job, and Justin Zanuck was part of that, and I'm glad that he's being handed the reins because I think he'll do a terrific job. Now, I don't think they're done no, shaking up the, the front office. They're but they um, close. I'm, I'm happy for the Utah Jazz sake that Justin Zanuck still has a voice in the room because I think he's a smart guy. Yeah. And, you know, in his advisory role, uh, Dennis uh, has the credibility that uh, you know, I hope he's listened to as well. So it, it, this is going to be a little bit different, which is probably not a big shock with the new ownership group. Um, but I just I, – <clears throat> I think Dennis deserves a lot of credit for what he did. Well, when he took over the Jazz, they were kind of in a t- temporary lull, and and look at where they are now. I mean, Dennis right. is a Dennis is intelligent. He's passionate about his job. Uh, he was he was <laughs> he he was almost statesmanlike at times. And every once in a while, we saw glimpses of the fire that burns pretty hot in him. And so we we got all that. He used to come on this show every week. He did that for years, and we got to know him pretty well. I like the man, and I think he did do a terrific job. Look, I mean, they got Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert under him, and uh, they uh, built the team into one of the best teams in the West. So there's no doubt that Dennis is a smart man uh who who uh, who is uh, emotional and passionate about his job and what he was doing it just came to a time when it was it was a good time for him to uh, move on now i don't know whether it just came completely of his volition or whether somebody was nudging him out the door but i think there were some difficulties within the organization that uh, prompted some of this but as far as looking at what dennis did for the Jazz, just a fantastic job, and I think he would be a hot commodity around the league if he wanted to be. Uh, just don't know if where the desire is with him right now. You said you think this is uh, this isn't the last move. Far from it. I mean, I wrote a column about this. I don't think they've posted it yet, but uh, it'll be at sltrib.com, where when Ryan Smith. Uh, announced that Dwayne Wade was uh, taking partial ownership of the team. He said, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. So I think Ryan Smith is a guy who is coming into this situation. Some people have looked at it like, oh, man, he's really changing things up. Is he impatient? You know, you got to take a steady approach to this like the Jazz have done in the past. Now, I don't think that's his style. I think he wants to come in and make a difference right away and get this thing to a point where they can win a championship. I think he's extremely motivated. He's really smart. He's got good connections, and he's uh, building on what has already been built here before. But he's going to do it according to the way he thinks is the best way to do it, and I think that's what we're witnessing right now. And honestly, you know, keeping some of the – um, voices. I mean, keeping Dennis on as a consultant, for example, but certainly, you know, uh, keeping Justin Zanuck in his role. Justin's um, really smart. He's 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 savvy. He's really good. But I think it's an appreciation for the work that has been done. Yeah, yeah. You in, said he in, was handed it to him. I think he earned it, Jake. Oh, I, I agree know, with I know that. That's yeah, what you yeah, meant. Yeah. I know that's what you meant. But uh, Justin is a terrific basketball mind as well, and so yeah. And but he, but uh, Ryan's going to add there too, man. Any advantage he can find, he's going to try and 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 lure in to the cause. Yeah, I think so. But I you, I do think Ryan Smith obviously appreciates the work that's been done, 
or else would come in and change all the way around, which we've seen other ownership groups do. They come in and they put their own people. Uh, you, you know, you've famously written about that with RSL, right? Where they get new ownership and eventually the old guard is moved aside and the, the new owner does what he wants. Well, that was it, just so. stupid what happened in RSL. <laughs> well, I mean, that was ridiculous. I, I mean, <laughs> well, well, there's an example of, of an, a new owner that should have had a little more respect, maybe. Yeah for what had uh, been built there, right? Yeah. And so I I do think it's important that Ryan Smith realizes, or not realizes, that that's not the right word, appreciates what the Millers and Dennis Lindsay included, and Justin Zanuck, absolutely, what they have built here, because it is impressive. So I think there is some appreciation there, because it certainly could have been a wholesale change, and I don't think that's what was in the cards. No, I mean, again, I'll go back what I said about Ryan Smith. He's smart enough to look around and see what he wants and to move forward with whatever changes he wants to make. And I think that's what we're seeing. That's why Dwayne Wade is a part of this now. That's, uh, I, I believe it's it's part of the puzzle of uh, why Dennis is leaving and why, at least in the role he was in, and still can utilize his wisdom but now Ryan can shape this the way he wants it shaped. And he's got good people. I mean, Quinn Snyder's a fantastic coach, and he continues on utilizing his skills uh, and uh, keeping him in the fold, obviously. And is, uh, is, I just think he's going to be aggressive in, his, in the manner in which he does this. You know, some people, have, some people say, uh, slow down, Ryan. Don't, don't make these bold changes and he's going to make more Jake I, I just this is I, I believed him when he said this is just the beginning I think we're going to see more stuff I don't know exactly who it's going to be whether it's going to be Danny Ainge or whether it's going to be Elon Musk I don't know who he's going to bring in but he's going to bring people in that he thinks uh, can help his team win and he's going to go on with that some people say don't do it I mean just keep status quo but they told him that too. They told him that with call tricks. They, you know, in 2011, he was offered 500 million dollars for that for that company, and 500 million dollars is more than he ever thought that he would ever have. He had ever seen. He's just like you and me. Did you think he would have 500 million dollars? No. And what did he do? He turned it down. And seven years later, he sold it for eight billion dollars. So it's a guy who may have been told in the past, hey, you know, just go easy with this. Don't get too aggressive. And yet that's what he's done, and he's seen great success with it. So why would he be any different with the Utah Jazz? It, it makes perfect sense to me. So with all that, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the Elon Musk part of all this. It's a Is joke. He, he's it was funny. thinking about getting into managing I hope not because I'm pretty rough on him on car sense every okay, week. Okay, the Dalai Lama. But you you went from Danny Ainge to Elon Musk. I mean, how are we going to get? That's what I wrote. And you were making a really serious point. It was. It wasn't funny. Oh, okay. I chuckled. You know, so he'll have Justin, uh, you know, leading the charge, uh, and he'll have uh, Wade, uh, uh, Dwayne Wade, sort of shepherding the thing alongside Quinn Snyder with advice from Dennis. And then more assistance from yeah okay Danny Angel I don't I, Shane Battier I mean who who Bugs Bunny <laughs> Charles Schwab and Brooks Kepka I mean he played golf with them 
or you know maybe uh, the Geico Gecko, <laughs> Morgan Freeman. I don't know somebody. Maybe somebody with some basketball experience. Start there. Why the Pac-12 got someone without any college experience? <laughs> true, that is true. That'd be going Twice. outside of the box. And didn't the Browns hire the nerd from uh, the A's? Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Jonah Hill. Uh, yeah, Billy, I can't Billy remember Be- his name. Billy, uh, Billy no. Beans Underling. His... Oh yeah, okay. All right. And the uh, the Rock or the Mavericks just turned the whole kingdom over to a gambler. To a so. sports gambler. That's true. <laughs> Raspier, how can this go wrong? All right, Gordon. If the Jazz were to add more to the front office, which I believe both of us believe, mm-hmm. uh, Danny Ainge or Elon yeah, Musk, Musk. <laughs> <laughs> takes over to this. <laughs> Takes over this puzzled look on his face, like Elon Musk. He's thinking of getting. Do the, do the Jazz need electric cars? What do they need a rocket ship? <laughs> but how? Uh, <laughs> let me ask you this: How quickly do they need to do it? Because the Mike Conley decision is a big one. Yeah, it is. It, like what to do with that is a big one because the Jazz will be well further into the luxury tax than they've ever been, and since they're it's their second year in a row, that tag is going to be higher. But yet, they are. Definitely no closer to a title if they don't do that no. because they can't spend or replace right. it. They have to get Mike Conley back. I mean, I've given that a lot of thought over the weekend and talked to some people. They have to get him back. Now, whether he wants to come back, I guess that's up to him to decide. But if they want another run at it, they they have have to get him back. And I wonder about the durability issues as well. I get that. But without him, they are in arrears of where they are now. And so, you know, I still believe that if if Mike had been healthy and if Donovan had been healthy, they they would have given they they might have beaten the Clippers. I, I I think health was the biggest single factor in what was going on. We talked about the defensive presence on the perimeter, all that's all that came into play, and 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 the Clippers got really hot and all that. But but they they have to have Mike Conley back, in my opinion. And I think that's what they're going to do. They're going well. They're going to make every effort to get him back. Again, I, I said this last week, but I don't think it's a controversial opinion to say if one of your all stars doesn't play, yeah, that that's part of the reason yeah. that you lost and the your, series. And I your mean, other all star is compromised, is, right? And and still played well, by the way. So maybe that that's less of an excuse. But you know, the fact that if if Rudy didn't play. Would we? Well, of course, we'd say that was a big mm-hmm. factor in the series. Any of those three guys, and then on down the line, you know, because it's still a team game, and you know, Kawhi getting hurt muddied the waters a little bit because he's one of the special players in the NBA, and maybe that takes a little bite out of the excuse. But if you want to look at it and say that the Jazz were missing one of their three best players, they're not going to be as good. That's not a hot take. That's a fact. So let me throw uh, let me throw a potentially hot take out at you, and it might be absolutely ludicrous, but tell me if you think there might be some value to it. Is the fact that Kawhi Leonard got hurt and the Clippers absolutely went five out, did that actually hurt the Jazz potentially even more because the players that they replaced him with got super hot? Well, I think that to a certain extent it galvanized the Clippers because they all kind of fell in line and it was when you face a little adversity it can be a good thing because you kind of 
all start pulling in the right direction and some of the petty stuff just goes out the window. So I do think it had that effect, but I'm not going to sit down here and tell so you the Clippers better were, were better without yeah. Kawhi Leonard. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I will say they, they were equipped to replace him fairly yes. well because they didn't have to change the way that they mm-hmm. played. And and that ultimately... But w- they did change it a little bit because they I think it... it Kawhi would have wanted the ball. Right. And, and they... Yeah, and they so, had to have trust in other right. players. I get that. Yeah. yeah, I think that was a factor. I, I certainly can can come along with that. I mean, Terrence Mann was that was one of the more extraordinary performances of the playoffs. That far. I, I, I mean, by extraordinary meaning he can knock down open shots like every NBA player should be able to. It was extraordinary, but still, okay. certainly was a factor. Terrence Mann, and and I've written about this as well. I haven't posted it yet, but that, Terrence Mann, I think he had never before. In any single game, had more than two threes, and he absolutely tore the Jazz apart. Now the Jazz have uh, have a decision to make: Do you go out and guard Terrence Mann, who's got a history of not really doing that, or do you have Rudy hang back and protect the rim? And there are all kinds of weird things that happened in that series that that you can find explanations for why it happened. Uh, why the Jazz did what they did and uh, and how it became successful for the Clippers. But you would not expect Terrence Mann to do what he did in Game 6. That's for sure. I mean, nobody could have seen that coming. No, no, I suppose not. I mean, I think... So I think that the biggest story in the series itself, outside of who was playing and who was not, was the, the lack of the Jazz adjusting to what the Clippers were doing. Now, I don't think that that was a coaching... I don't, I don't put it on the coaching staff, let me put it that way, because if you don't have the personnel to adjust, then you can't adjust, can you? Now, Quinn could have taken Rudy off the floor, and that would have been a, a pretty major adjustment, and I've heard a lot of people talk about that. But if it's me, I, I make the same decision. I don't want to take my all-star off the floor. But as far as Terrence Mann goes, he was hitting wide-open corner threes because Rudy hurt himself in the first half and couldn't get out to close out like he had done so well earlier in the series. So another injury. So it looked like he was just standing there when the point was is that he was physically limited to do something that somebody his size is not supposed to do in the Mm -hmm. first place. And that's why most NBA players who are, you know, wings who can shoot. I'm, I'm not talking about the Ben Simmonses of the world, but I'm talking about your normal wing player in the NBA how many out of 10 in practice are they hitting wide open right. from the corner? Yeah. Nine out of 10, eight out of 10, 10 out of 10. Anybody who's ever watched players, even players who are not proficient in when being covered in a competitive game in warm-ups, it'll knock your a, socks off. It's amazing how many they hit. And players you wouldn't expect to yeah. do it either. I remember and, one time one time watching Shandon Anderson warm up. I think he hit 30 of 35. Yeah. I mean these these players you know, it's it's kind of a testament to defense and competition and how it can alter things. But the point is, you know, if you leave a, a player the caliber of Terrence Mann wide open in the corner, he's going to make a ton of shots. And he did. He deserves credit for doing it. But a lot of it had to do with, are you going to leave Rudy on the floor mm-hmm. or not? And the coach went with his all-star, and his all-star ran out of gas in one way or another and, and couldn't close out to the three-point line. And it cost him. And it cost him a game in a really embarrassing way. But... He could this, have, this, this, those are the guys that brought you there. He, Rudy brought you there. He could have closed out if he chose to, but he didn't. And, and I think I, he tried. I, I understand you, you just why. think he stood there, there? Well, there was a hesitation. I, I saw hesitation in him. 
before. But even even if you look at Rudy, Rudy's a better perimeter defender than than some of the others that the Jazz could have gone to. George Niang. But but uh, how I, much I mean, are you going to ask Rudy to do? Yeah, well, yeah, that's it, that's a good question. But the, if you're going to take him out of the game, now you're removing one of your best players. Exactly. And so I thought Quinn did make adjustments. You know, they they uh, they rotated. They they did they changed matchups. They they went to zone for a little while. And but the funny thing about this stuff is it's hard to recognize when when the Clippers are making shot after shot. I mean, they they were making shot after shot after shot. And so the Jazz were changing things up, but it didn't make a big difference. When the Jazz go to zone, it doesn't look that much different because Rudy's always hanging back anyway. So, And, and, and what the Clippers were doing is I went back and watched the game again, Jake, and I really tried to stut, hone in on what was going on. The Clippers... Even when the Jazz went to zone, they were they were successfully playing ISO ball out top. You know, it was just like, wait a minute, how how can this team do this? It was it was a perfect storm. It really, as I studied it again, man, I I I understand the frustration with the Jazz right now because they did change it up, and yet it it didn't make a difference. And so everybody thought, oh, why don't they adjust more? Well, they tried to adjust. But uh, it just didn't work. And, and and that brings us back to the point that you brought up, Jake, and that is where else is the Jazz going to turn? You're going to put Mieoni back on the court? Here's, You're going to put Jarrell Brantley on the court? What are you going to do? Here's uh, here's specifically what I the lesson that I would learn from the Clippers series. And maybe, you know, in regards to Rudy and the Jazz and the coaching staff, they have got to talk to him about and I was talking to a friend in the coaching world about this, and this was kind of, you know, he shared this opinion. You can never let another team get away with playing you like that with a player that small. Never. That's unforgivable. You should find a way for a seven-three guy to play against a six-seven guy to your advantage every time. And the fact that Rudy's not able to do that, or the Jazz aren't willing to put their faith in Rudy Gobert, that is the biggest problem from the series that I personally see. Because if Rudy doesn't let them get away with that, Gordon. They have to abandon the strategy entirely. All the switching, they all they can't they they can't go with that lineup. Zubots has to come in different series. Rudy has whole new value, but the fact that when when Reggie Jackson would get switched onto him, and they wouldn't the Jazz wouldn't capitalize yeah. is just madness. Yeah. So identify what that is, fix it. And in my opinion, maybe the Jazz will tell you something different, but you could teach Rudy a number of very simple post stuff that has been around for decades, a la the drop step. I mean, just little simple stuff like that where a team can't get away with guarding you like that. They have to adjust because Rudy's going to dunk on them every possession. And the reason this is so important is because the Jazz is going to see it again. Absolutely. They're going to see it again, but I still think that if you have a healthy Mike Conley it helps. and a healthy Donovan Mitchell, then maybe it wouldn't have been so egregious. But I, I, I guess I'm saying the lesson that I'm taking from the series outside of that stuff, because yeah, Mike Conley, of course, he was going to have an impact in the series. But what right. I'm taking from what we saw on the floor, the the other thing is what we have talked about a thousand times: the Jazz couldn't guard the ball. When you can't guard the ball. Now Rudy has to hang around because if you're if, if his teammate's going to get beat, then Rudy's going to come over and try and stop somebody. You know. Meanwhile, Terrence Mann is open in the corner. But here's why the Jazz were able to get away with that: because if Rudy's playing against Zubats, Rudy's there, and Rudy's guys there, 
and you can get beat on the ball. Who cares? Because you're funneling them right to Rudy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's how the Jazz got away with it is because that the other team had to play a big to deal with Rudy, and so he can get away with sitting in the lane, and then you don't have to make Sophie's choice between do I give up a dunk or do I get out to my guy in the corner? Because your guy isn't in the corner because you've dunked on him so much on the other end of the floor that they had to put a big out there. Yeah, and along with the lines of what you were talking about, taking advantage of situation with Rudy Gobert in the game, look, when he's out there, it, usually it helps the Jazz with their spacing, you know, because he has to be – someone has to stay with him, and so it helps with the spacing, and it, it helps with offensive rebounds, you know. And so th- there are things the Jazz can do to address what plagued them in this uh, in this series, in their elimination. But foremost among them is they have to be healthy. They have to. And look – this thing with Rudy, it's going to come up. I mean, it's going to happen again. I mean, the Jazz might have a great season next year, but they're going to run into this problem somewhere along the way, and they're going to have to find an answer for it, and good health would help them. And it, you brought up the point that Rudy was dinged up in that game. When you, I went back and I watched, like I said, I watched the game again, and I saw that fall, and, you know, on, on second view of the thing, I'm surprised he got up at all. That was a vicious fall. It really was. Coach, I'm not, I hope I'm not making excuses here for the Jazz. I just they were they were dinged in a major way. That's the split story of the day, brought to you by our friends at Sound Sleep Medical. Do you snore at night, or are you currently using a CPAP machine to treat sleep apnea? Sound Sleep Medical can improve your life. Visit SoundSleepMedical.com. More next on the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 of the Zone.